Welcome to episode one, my interview with Allison from Berlin. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Major, the host of the Straight Up Gay Podcast, where I have conversations with anyone and everyone about their life and experiences related to the LGBTQ community. Today is December 28th, 2016. Keep in mind, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you are not prepared to have these conversations, turn back now. So with me I have on the show is Allison. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. It's nice to meet you, Allison. This is our first conversation. We haven't really spoken before, so I'm actually uh, really interested in getting to know you and getting to know a little bit more about your history. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, great. And so um, are you excited to be on the show? Yes. I'm probably more excited yeah. than you are, I think. <laughs> I'm, used, I'm used to it. I've been performing a lot my whole life, so... I enjoy it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm interested in hearing more about that. We had a we had a little pre-interview questionnaire that I sent out to you so I could have a little bit of uh, an idea of what we were going to talk about. And so one of the things it says here is that you are Allison and you're just a normal girl into bagpipes, Rube Goldberg's animation and film. Exactly. Just normal hobbies. Yeah, that... Sounds completely like normal hobbies to me, uh, maybe short of the bagpipes. I don't know a single person in my life that plays the bagpipes. <laughs> I, I play the medieval German bagpipes, so they're not even what you're thinking, probably. Oh, yeah, they're probably not then. I don't even, I didn't know that there was a difference. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So you sound like a pretty interesting person. Um, would it be all right? I want to make sure that uh, during the interview, I'm completely respectful. I don't want this to be anything other than a respectful inquiry into your life. And so um, I, if I could, if it's okay with you, if just ask so that everyone who's listening knows um, about you, um, can you tell us if you're okay with that, your sexual orientation and your gender identity so that everyone knows, at least gets a mental idea of who you are? Yeah. Uh, you want me to state uh, who I am, in other words? Yeah. Please, yeah. Okay. I'm a... Her bisexual trans girl married to a beautiful wife. Awesome. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 32. Oh, okay. So you're around my age. I'm 38. So nice to meet you. Nice to get to know you. <clears throat> so um, it says here that you've already come out and you're pretty open about your sexuality with everyone. Is that usually go okay? I'm open about being trans. Sexuality and transgender are not too related that they're not the same subject i'm not going to talk about if i like sex, but i will talk about what no, it's no. like to transition that's two separate things yeah no please <laughs> that's that's what i was looking for sure yeah when you first realized that you were a trans person you say you were about what 16 is that correct six, no, it was six 16 years ago 16 years is when i was mature enough to know it and then I have experiences as early as eight that I really do not comprehend until I was 16. So I can't claim I knew when I was eight, 
but there are things as early as eight years old that are signifiers. Could you give me an example of one of those examples from when you were eight? Uh, like the urge to ride a female bike instead of a male bike around the block. I stole my sister's bike. I didn't know why I was doing it, but now I do. Was it like a, a, like a pink girly bike? Is that why you wanted to ride it? Oh, yeah. I grew up in a very kind of uh, movie movie quality neighborhood where n- neighborhood kids are all around. And I got laughed at. I remember people were like, whoa, look at that guy on a girl's bike. It was that kind of neighborhood, like very Stephen King type stand by me kind of growing up. Oh, OK. And you said you grew up in Connecticut. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And so tell me about when you were in, uh when you were 16 and how you knew that you wanted to live your life um as a woman or as a girl. How did that come about? Like how did you reach that point? What what helped you understand that that's what you wanted to do? I've only been trans uh I've only came out in August. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you said 16 years ago you knew oh i knew but it was much more dangerous back then uh it's a much different climate back then i felt much safer to do it now uh just because i knew it doesn't mean i could could have done it right okay so what i'm i guess maybe i should have rephrased that or phrased that better was what led you to that uh understanding that you wanted to live your life as a woman well i think it's like different. how did you mentally get there well i think it's different for everyone uh a lot of a lot of trans girls they start off cross-dressing i know i did and every so often i i'd feel like it was wrong and i throw away all my girl clothes and this happened three times and i was ready to do it a fourth time and then i realized if i threw all my girl clothes away i would have no clothes to wear and that was kind of like a big signifier that it was coming. And then you read certain things like, do you want to die a man or die a woman? And that gets under your skin. And it's a lot like, for me, uh, holding back my transness was like chewing back vomit for 16 years. Eventually, you can't chew it anymore and you puke. Yeah, so I can understand how that could be... Um you know, having to hide who you really want to be is, uh, is probably something really difficult that most people don't have to experience. Um, a little bit about myself. One of the other reasons why I wanted to use, um, a handle versus my real name is because I'm an atheist. And so I don't believe in God. And that's not very, um, popular, uh, position to have in the United States. And so I expect that, um, by using a handle, I'll be more free to talk about that, uh, on the podcast when it comes up, if I, I plan on having debates with people who are also anti LGBTQ. And so, um, I'm sure that there'll be religious topics covered when I talk to those people. And so by using a handle, it lets me be more free with my personal views without that affecting my, uh, my personal life. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm also an atheist basically. Oh, do you listen to any podcasts? No, Any I just watch podcast? a bunch of I just watch a bunch of film and TV. No, okay, yeah, 
I'm big into the podcasting now. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show was because I listened to a couple podcasts and I was really like, man, this would be a great way for me to, I felt the urge that I had to say something in support of the uh, LGBT people, people in the community, even though I'm a straight person, I, I feel like, uh, people in your community are getting beat up for just wanting to be who they are and live their life the way they want it to be. And I just, I would constantly get in arguments and debates on Facebook, which is probably the worst platform to get into arguments and debates on. And so oh, yeah. I felt like, I felt like I had to go into another medium and, and interview people and talk to people and have these discussions as face to face as possible. And so when I got into pod listening to podcasts, I, I uh, said, you know what, after a while, after a year or two of listening to him, I'm like, man, I got to do this. And so I decided that I would start one. And that's how I got awesome. into this. Yeah. Um, so it's it, when I asked about what are the common reactions to uh, people have when they find out you're a trans person, um, you say that you never tell. So you do you try to, I from what I understand, I'm a straight guy. This is all new to me. So I'm just trying to get an honest uh question out here which is um do you try to pass is what i've been told it's called where you, you yes, try to yes yes i basically again, fool the other person well it's not fooling them uh it's just trying to appear the way i think i should have been born and okay like i said th this is this is a much different culture than just like gays or lesbians because it's just about their sexuality and ours is more about outward expression and some people don't give a shit about passing and some people don't ca only care if they pass 90 percent like for me i just want to look pretty passable but i don't care if someone notices i'm trans it doesn't bother me for some people it really really bothers them and it, no experience is completely the same. So when I talk about my experience, uh, uh, I just want to say I don't want to come across as selfish because it's, it's, the, it's the only experience I have. And other people have much, much different experiences than me. Um, as far as passing, though, like, yes, I like to pass. That's my goal. Uh, like, I really like people like Laverne Cox and uh, Jamie Clayton because they pass to me. But they're openly trans and they're movie stars, and that's badass. I'd like to pass, but out myself, so to speak. Yeah. So if, if someone was to, uh, I don't want to say confront you, but if they were to question you about your sexuality, would you, do you admit it then that, yes, I'm a trans person, or do you just deny it? Like, I'm just trying to get an understanding of how you daily interact if someone were to question you about it. Just to correct you again, uh, you mean gender, not sexuality. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, thank you for correcting me. I'm new at this, and so I'm still trying no, it's to get all my good. terms it, correct. So. It's, all, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot to learn. It's, it's like there's a rule book of terminology. Um, right, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to keep my definition straight, so thank you for correcting yeah. me. No, I appreciate that. It doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm the least person to get pissed off for someone not getting the terminology right. Uh, it depends on the situation. Uh, if someone realizes I'm trans and brings it up, I'll decide based off of their tone of voice, based off the language they use. If they say, are you a she-male? I'm doing a 180 and walking away. That's porno language. That means they're probably pervy as fuck. If, uh, if they come across maybe as timid and genuinely curious and 
kind of friendly, then yeah, I'll open up to him. I have no shame. Does it have anything to do with maybe um, any sort of um, concern about being attacked? I know that uh, in the United States, uh, I've heard some trans people say that they don't tell people right away because they're afraid that they may be attacked for being a trans person when a, when a straight person who may have been um, sexually interested, you know, or, or at least attracted to them, that if they were to come out, that they might be attacked. Is, does that play any concern in whether or not you determine if you're going to say anything or not? Yeah, you don't want, like I said, uh, I, it depends on the situation. And, and for me, I look at being trans as a, a medical situation. I am a normal woman using modern science to correct disfigurements that testosterone cause and take hormones to have the correct system. I just do that. Well, your question was, what was your question? Well, so you said um, when you uh, talk to people that you kind of take in consideration how the person responds or how they ask if you're um, a trans person. And I asked if that had any, if the way you decide, does that have any, does the threat of violence against you play a factor in that? Because I've heard some trans people who I have heard on other podcasts or other shows say that that's a big concern for them, letting someone know um, that their trans person may result in violence. Part of me, yes. Part of me wants to pass so I don't get beat up. However, I think it's also based on where you live. It's much more dangerous to be visibly trans in a hick town in the South than it is San Francisco. So I think certain needs could also come from where you live. Uh, I live in a very Turkish neighborhood in Berlin. So in a way, passing is kind of important. Before I transitioned, I was wearing a lot of female clothes. And some guy on the subway kicked me in the back of the leg just for looking like a faggot, basically, which is what he said. And so, yes, part of me likes to remain passing for the violence factor. But to be honest, I think if if you know how to stay safe as a normal per like as a regular person, like don't go to places at night you shouldn't be, don't loiter and dark. I, I never feel in danger too much because I'm not going to areas where I know there's danger, so to speak. So like I don't like to think about being beat up and I know it happens to other girls. But like it's a dark thought and I try to avoid it by uh acting accordingly and staying out of trouble so to speak. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Um I was just I didn't know if you had um any experiences with being attacked for being a transgender person or if that was um a concern that you have a lot of the time. And so um I just wanted to get an idea of of <clears throat> whether or not you had that um, that concern that's a it's a prevalent concern I uh, yeah I don't worry too much about violence and uh back to your other question too uh on the way I react to people uh once I know they're friendly I'll answer any questions from surgery to pills I say I'll answer any skills for any questions from pills to scalpel and I'm very, very open about it. But like I said, like it, it's uh, it's about language. It's about it's about uh, who you know. And when I say I never tell someone, I let them judge if I'm trans or not, then ask the question. Some people might wear a bracelet with the flag on it, and it's up to them. 
Yeah, but you don't go announcing it like, hello, I'm Allison and I'm transgender, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just say, hi, I'm Allison, I'm a girl. So uh, since you brought it up, if you don't mind, um, would you share with us, have you had surgeries or, or what kind of um, hormones or anything that you're on or, or taking to keep your um, transition as passable as you want it? Well, the standard regime seems to be you go on hormones and they work their magic a lot mentally. And then for a lot of people, they don't need the surgery. I haven't had the surgery. For me, I want it extremely soon, as soon as possible. I've only been on hormones 90 days. In some ways, I feel bad because you kind of got a baby trans. I just I just started. Uh, but that's that's a standard procedure. You go you go through therapy. You you deem you you get deemed that you are in fact trans. You get put on hormones, and then you have a second puberty if you start after your first. I'm in my second puberty. That lasts for two to five years, and for a lot of people, they feel much more happy, and I feel much happier now. Wow. Uh, so I didn't know that there was a second puberty. That's interesting. I I had no idea about that at all. Um, so it's basically just, um, you've had already experienced your male period or, uh, puberty. And then when you yep. start taking the hormones, you experience the female puberty. Exactly. And the later you start first, it's actually, it's all genetics. Like it, some people start early and they still might need facial surgery. Some people start late and they don't need facial surgery. I'm really worried that the hormones won't make my face passable and I'll need some jaw work. That's one of my like dysphoric concerns that comes up almost every month. But it is like okay. puberty. It's just like a male puberty. You roll the dice on how big your dick is, how broad your shoulders are going to get, how big your facial hair is. A, a, sec a puberty is kind of like how good are your secondary sexual characteristics or what they look like. And yeah. And okay. That's what I'm doing now. I'm rolling the dice. I know a lot of the women in my family have big breasts, so I think I'll probably have nice breasts. Uh, unfortunately, my hip bones already fused, so that isn't getting any bigger. I'm just going to get fat there. So you said uh, you felt kind of bad because you're a baby trans, so you just started transitioning about a couple months ago? Yes, I came out August 1st and went full-time August 2nd, got on hormones September 28th, and been on hormones 90 days. So had you ever been um, wearing female clothes before you started transitioning? Well, like, were you still trying or had had all of that just begun? Because you said that you were trying or you were wearing female clothes and some guy kicked you. And so was that all during your transition or was this prior to that? Like, I'm I guess I'm trying to get an idea of... Um, from the time you actually started wearing women's clothes and, and dressing as a woman to when you decided you wanted to transition? Well, I've been wearing women's clothes. for I, I knew I was trans since I was 16. That's why my hair is long. I never cut my hair my whole life. I knew this was going to happen eventually, deep down inside. Uh, I was basically wearing female clothes exclusively two to three years before I came out. So in a lot of ways, this really wasn't a big change. It was just the final change. Now, instead of having facial hair, I'm getting that removed. I'm kind of, 
I kind of thought I was a cross-dresser. I was hoping I was a cross-dresser because it would have been made life maybe easier. But I realized I wasn't. So I just took all my skills I knew as a cross-dresser, toned them down to look more, more like not over the top. And it, it was a very, very natural and easy step for me to go full time because, like I said, I haven't been wearing women's clothes. I, I've only been wearing women's clothes for two years. My voice is collapsing because it's late. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's all good. So, so you've been wearing, so if I understand correctly, let me just recap here. So for about two years, you were wearing full time, every day, in and out, you know, in your day-to-day life, women's clothes and dressing yeah. as a woman. And about six no, months not ago, you this, started... I wasn't presenting as a woman. If, so I would still respond to male pronouns. Okay. Okay, so you would wear... So you would still present as a man, but dress women's clothes... Dress in women's clothes? Is that correct? Yeah, you could call... Before I transition, I, I unconsciously... I subconsciously went uh, non-binary or genderqueer, whatever you want to call it. Okay, all right. And so... And then about four to six months ago, you started... Uh, about four to six months ago, you started to transition to full. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm like, okay, this cross dressing is a lie. I'm actually just really want to be a girl, finally, and it was just a really easy adjustment. Okay, was that a so you said it was an easy adjustment, but how how did it how did you have to tackle that? I guess mentally, like, what did you have to reckon to yourself to finally switch from just deciding you're or not deciding, but uh, knowing that you're not a crossdresser and that you wanted to be trans and, and transition full time. Was there any kind of um, internal argument you had to have with yourself or anything like that? Yeah. uh, It's kind of real simple. This whole, I would have came out sooner if I were able to ask my mom, it was okay. My whole thing was permission issues and it took me like 16 years to ask her basically. And and what I went through mentally leading up to coming out is, to me, I'm a prepare for the worst type of girl. So I had to hope my wife didn't leave me. She didn't. In fact, everything's much better than before. I had to hope I wasn't outcasted by my friends and family, which no one really cared. So my worst fears were kind of just internalized and made up, which which is a good thing. But it makes me realize I probably could have came out sooner, but I can't change. I can't go back in time. But that's all I had to mentally prepare for is like, like who would leave me? And then I guess the second layer of mental preparation was, you know, it takes, it takes some guts the first couple times to go outside presenting as female. And I remember when I'm like, oh my God, it's my fourth day out wearing a bra. Now I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, so, uh, in gen- generally speaking, when you did um, speak to your mom and your friends and everyone about it, they were generally supportive then? You didn't really have any negative uh, reactions to your desire to become trans or to transition? Yeah, I got. I honestly got super lucky with uh, no one in my social circle or family dropping out or excommunicating me, all that terrible shit you read about, which is what prevented me from coming out in the first place. Uh, that's what you read growing up, like, oh, if you come out, you got to start a whole new life because everyone will hate you. Yeah, I guess that would probably depend on 
where you grew up and the kind of environment you live in. You know, I'm sure somewhere in the Midwest uh, United States, it would probably be a little more difficult than if you were in some of the more progressive cities, like you said, like San Francisco or or uh, New York or somewhere else like that. Yeah, I'm sure if I was in, I, I'm sure if I was in 80s Bay, I was born in 84. I'm sure if I was born in San Francisco rather than Connecticut, I might have come out at 16. Who knows? And yeah, environment does have something to do with it sometimes. Well, it's definitely glad. To, I'm definitely glad to hear that you had a, a positive experience when you decided that you wanted to tell people and that they were supportive. That's, um, I think, sometimes good to hear that, you know, instead of just hearing all the horror stories about how bad it went for people when they came out, it's good to hear that you had support and that your friends were supportive and especially your family. I can imagine uh, it could be pretty difficult to transition if your family's not supportive. Is it just your mom that you had to tell or is, is your dad still around or I don't want to delve too uh, deeply well, into that? One of the good, uh, I don't, my dad's dead and he's been dead since high school. And honestly, I don't think he would have been down with it. So I guess silver linings. So you just had to to talk with your mom about it, about when you wanted to come out and see how she would handle it then. You didn't really have to tell your dad. My brother told me she reacted more strangely when my brother went vegetarian. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're a very laid back family and this proves it once and for all. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, so you may have seen uh, on the podcast homepage when I, you know, posted my first blog about, you know, why I'm doing this. And my son, I have a 15 year old son and he's gay. He came out to us, um, a year or two back. I wasn't always this progressive uh, as far as LGBTQ issues. I used to be in the military and I was probably, uh, I'm ashamed to say it that I probably would have been one of those guys who would have harassed you or someone like you. And uh, when I went to college, it was really my college experience. I can pin it down to one exact moment, which was when I was in, uh, I had took a cultural anthropology class with this professor, Peter Mortensen. That guy will forever have a special place for me as far as me becoming uh, woke is what I would call it. Woke to the world. Um, we had one. We were learning a lot about other cultures. That's what anthropology is. If you're not aware, it's just the study of humans and human culture. Yeah, yeah. And um, one day he, we covered the topic of homosexuality, and we under he gave a lecture about you know how homosexuality is made part of um, a normal everyday thing in many other cultures, and that it's not necessarily a taboo. And when, at the end of the class, when he asked if there were any questions, a lot of the students started to fire off all these objections to homosexuality as far as, you know, it's not natural or, you know, all the standard stuff that you hear, you know, they can't have kids. It's not natural. You don't see it in nature. Um, it's an abomination. There were some religious objections, all kinds of, I mean, and this guy I swear, like a sniper, was just shooting down bad arguments like they were ducks on a duck hunt. I mean, he was just dropping them. And to see how easy it was for him and how good his arguments were, that day I thought about that class for like a week, and I kept trying to think of reasons why I should not agree with him. I basically was trying to protect my own biases or my own perception against the arguments that he presented in class. Uh, in response to the, the questions. And 
when I couldn't come up with anything, I, I had to accept that I, my opinion was wrong. And so ever since then, when I realized that, uh, uh, I realized it wasn't a choice. That was probably my first thing uh, that I had to come to understand was that it wasn't a thing you choose. And the argument he made was you can't even choose as a straight person who you're attracted to. You know, you know, the, the old lady from the movie Goonies, he goes, yeah, unless yeah. you can wake up and he goes, unless you can wake up tomorrow and in your heart desire her sexually, you can't even choose who your heterosexual attractions are much less any homosexual attractions or anything like that. And so that started me off on being this more progressive person. When I realized that, like I can't, when I realized that it wasn't, I can't just walk into some place and decide, okay, I'm going to find her attractive and someone else can't just walk into a place. You know, I'm going to decide to be gay. You know, once I realized that they're like, I can't decide to be gay today. I mean, I couldn't wake up tomorrow and decide, oh, I'm going to like dudes, you know, it's yeah. just not a choice. And what, and once I realized that, that led me down this road. I became much more outspoken and supportive of the LGBT community. I started engaging with people more about these bad arguments that I had heard and president uh, presented in class about, you know, it's not natural and stuff like that. And I really looked into it more. I became more open to um, hearing more information about it. And I eventually got myself to here where I got so involved in arguing with people online on Facebook that I'm like, okay, I, I got to find a better platform to present or at least refute, you know, present good arguments and refute bad arguments. And so that's how right. I got here. Oh, that's so, awesome oops. though. That's a, that's a great story. Um, I, I think people who come around like that are more valuable in some ways than people who just were like that to begin with. Yeah. So, um, I've been talking with my wife too. Cause she's like, why do you want to do this podcast so bad? And she's like, you just want to argue with people or you just want to change people's minds. And I was kind of like, well, I, th I think it goes further than that. I, I'm, I do want to change people's minds. I want to, I want people to realize that there's really, I have yet to see any good arguments why we shouldn't let people live their lives the way they want to, whether they're a transition or a transgender person or a homosexual person. Um, I, I can I have yet to find a good argument as to why that shouldn't be allowed and why they should be allowed to have same sex marriages or live their life however they want. And uh, recently, I don't know if you're if you keep up on the U.S. news, but we had that big North Carolina bill about the banning transgender people in the bathrooms. Have you heard about that? I think yeah, I think I read something about that. Um, that bit that bill bills like that are funny because. If bills like that pass, that means trans men have to go in the women's room. So either way, men are going to end up in the ladies' room, according to these people. Yeah, uh, it's actually pretty funny because there was a guy on Twitter. Um, he was a transgender man, and he would go into the ladies' room where he, you know, that was his um, gender or sex at birth. And so he, but he would go in there with a full beard and a cowboy hat. And would take pictures with ladies. You know, I, I imagine they weren't just random women, but they were ladies that he knew and would take pictures of them in the mirror. And so, look, this is what it looks like when you ban transgender people from the bathroom, you know, or from the bathroom that they identify with. Yeah, totally. I think it's nonsense. I still am pretty nervous about using the bathroom because it's the whole passing fear and being like I saw a comic that kind of summed it up well. It's. You go in the men's room and get beat up or go in the ladies' room and get yelled at? Which, which do you choose, kind of? 
and that's how I feel. I would, but you know, I, I'm I just getting easier. Be yelled at. Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. but I'm glad it's getting easier for you. I wonder how much of our esque transgender is going to yell at me. Why would they yell at you? Well, you know, I, there's always going to be like, oh, you're wrong. It's the internet. That's the nature of it. I probably say, I probably piss someone off. Oh, well, you know, I mean, you can't please anybody or everybody anyways. And I figured a lot of people are probably going to be pissed off at me. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I was hesitant to start the podcast, because I'm a straight guy handling an LGBTQ podcast. And so I imagine that some people may take offense to that, which was one of the reasons why I had waited so long to do the podcast, because I was to me, it was like. As a straight guy hosting a podcast about LGBT issues would be like a white guy hosting a podcast about how it is to live as a black person in America. You know, like I don't have the personal experience to speak on a subject that I can't experience, you know. And so I, I think figured that by. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think as long as you let the guests speak for themselves and you don't try to come like you're coming from where they are, then I have no problem with it. Yeah, but still, even then, I imagine some people would still be like, this is our conversation to have. This is our place to, you know, share this information. Not, we don't need some straight guy, you know, giving us a platform to, you know, share our experiences and our our stories and stuff like that. So I imagine even in that case, I imagine most people like yourself would, would be, accepting of it but i'm still probably going to get some hate mail and some uh objections to it so i imagine that you probably have the same experiences online when you try to tell people what it's like to be a transgender person and they'll be like no you're wrong or you, you don't know what you're talking about it's different for me or whatever yeah i get into arguments definitely on tiny chat which is where i hang out and Sometimes it's a good argument and I do end up convincing people and sometimes their way of arguing is just coyly insulting me, in which case I just stop immediately. Yeah, well, that's usually a, a good tactic was to just um, end the conversation when it doesn't seem to be productive any longer. I'm usually that person who just uh, has to keep going until that person at least understands where I'm coming from. Yeah, me sometimes me too. I can't sometimes I can't bite my tongue, so to speak. So one of the questions I asked in the in the pre-interview was did you get any help from any LGBT organization support organizations that helped you either get to the point where you wanted to transition or helped you through your transition? Did you have any assistance with those? Oh, of course. Uh I actually went on a runaround of a bunch of different doctors. At first I went to uh, I think an endocrinologist and I asked, how do I get on hormones? And she's like, Oh, you need a psychiatrist. And where do I go find that? Then she gave me a place to Querleben, which is a awesome community center for LGBT in Berlin. And they gave me a list of places to go to help me out. And I found a sympathetic gynecologist who started me on hormones the day I went. Basically I went, dressed completely as a woman and told him my situation. And even in America right now, we have places that are informed consent clinics. As long as you know what those hormones will do to you, they'll give them to you without a psychiatrist. And that's kind of what I did in Berlin. I kind of circumvented the whole uh, year of therapy plus real life experience requirements they have here. And without Querleben, I would have probably still been in like deep depression because 
once I knew I was trans, getting on hormones was like my utmost priority. And before pre-hormones was like mental hell. And the moment I started them, everything was great. And I owe that to Kvelaben. Yeah, so um, when I got your pre-interview responses, um, I actually... Uh, I saw that you had put Queer Leben on there and I went and checked it out. Uh, I had to translate it with Google Translate to read some of it because uh, it's mostly in German. They did have a, an English page, but it did seem like they were a pretty good organization for transgender people to go to. And I had never heard of it before, which is the reason why I asked that question, because I want to make people more aware of support organi- or organizations that they can get support from. And so... Um, it was definitely nice to hear that you had a place to go that could help you uh, transition to the person you wanted to be. And and um, is there so you said that there was a year of therapy? Was that is that a legal requirement in Germany, or is that how does what requires you to do that, or is that just um, the general guidance? I personally believe since insurance is paying for it. They want to know damn sure that you're trans. So they require all this before insurance pays for your hormones and genital confirmation surgery and stuff like that. But like I said, it's it's, di- it's different everywhere in California and some places in New York. They have informed consent. I know people who got hormones after six months of therapy and not a year in Germany. So it, it really varies and... Like, it really depends on where you live. Because when you're in a big city, there's a lot of support for that. And there's a lot of resources as opposed to small towns. And I read horror stories. Like, they're horror stories to me. Like, oh, I have to drive two hours to a clinic to get my hormones. It's like, holy crap, I just got to take a 15-minute bike ride. So if I understand what your response was, was that there is a requirement that you're supposed to have a year of therapy before you begin the hormones that's that right? what it says on the books that's what it says on the books and i guess in some places still they require a year of living as your preferred gender before you even start hormones which i think is fucked up but it, it varies and luckily i got in my own way yeah so if you could maybe give me a personal view as to why you think that's messed up you don't necessarily agree with the one year of therapy uh, before you are allowed to get the hormones to transition. What is your personal view as to why you don't agree with that? Maybe some people do need therapy, but from my from my ankle, I had known I was trans for a while. All the information for what hormones do is online. It's not like it's hard to figure what these things will do to you long term. So I think as long as you are mature about it. You should get the hormones when you think you are ready, not when the therapist thinks you're ready. And I've had read stories of like girls being depressed because they're not on hormones. And then the doctor's like, well, I can prescribe you antidepressants. Will those antidepressants grow me breasts? Because I don't want them. Yeah, so do you think maybe that it's not necessarily... um something to keep people from transitioning but maybe uh, preventing regret uh, because they didn't really do their research like you may have or maybe other people have that maybe they just the government uh, I I don't know who sets the regulations in Germany or in Berlin um, but do you think that maybe it's not um, just because they want to 
require you to jump through hoops, but maybe to prevent, because you said insurance is paying for it, that maybe prevent people from having transition regret and then trying to go back? Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's, they call them gatekeepers in the community and gatekeeping's frowned upon. You want people to live the life they want to live. But yes, to a certain extent, I do think it's to keep people from regretting their decision. I don't read too much about regrets on Ask Transgender, though. It comes up sometimes, but it's not like it's there every single day. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's logical reasons for it, even though I think those logical reasons are wrong. I think I think it's different for everyone as well. Like like I said, I'm 32. I, I know my way around the, the trans information block, so to speak. And I have heard of therapists giving hormones people early if they do know their stuff so to speak so it really is a case-by-case thing there's no one uh magic bullet for every trans person and what they need to do and who they need to see yeah so that's another thing i learned um listening to some of the podcasts that i listen to is that uh, they have trans and homosexual guests on from time to time and uh, one of them was talking about how the reason why they actually liked going to the therapist um, before they transitioned was to find out how far they wanted to transition, which is something I didn't really realize that not every trans person wants to fully transition to the other gender. Um, Some of them may just want the top surgery is what I'm told it's called is where they just get breast augmentation and uh, they don't do bottom surgery where they do the full, uh, uh, genitalia surgery to transition that way and so that they I, I don't I was pretty sure that they disagreed with the gatekeeping idea of it but that they did like that they got to speak to a therapist who helped them find the right point at which to stop in their transition do you think that's um, a valid point or no yeah if that person needed it if that person needed that therapy, some people, therapy's healthy. Uh, to be honest, like everyone should have a therapist, no matter how mentally sound you think they are, that you think you are. But if that person needed that therapist to come with terms or understood what, fi- there's no such thing as full transition to me because that means something different to every trans girl. For some, full transition means not getting the vaginoplasty or the SRS, uh, for some, it me it does. For me, I want that. That's part of the package I imagine myself. But no one package is right. I uh, like that. That could that could be a cliche catchphrase in this conversation. There's no magic bullet. It's really a case by case basis, and it's kind of like different from being gay. Because when you have a gay coming out party, you just say, "Hey guys, I'm gay." Then you continue being yourself. I have to go. I'm trans. Now I have to get facial surgery. Now I have to get my facial hair removed. I have to go on hormones. I have to change who I interact with. I have to change my mannerisms. My vo- It's a whole regime of changes. It's a much different thing than just, I think, the first three letters of the LGBT. Yeah, so I imagine that it's um, probably one of the most significant cha- differences between just being a homosexual person uh, is that you have to basically change how you present, how you dress, how you wear your hair. I mean, it's a it's almost a complete, you know, uh, makeover of your exterior personality. So I can imagine that it's more than just 
okay, I'm going to admit to people that I like the same sex now and, and versus, and then you get to just keep dressing how you dress and, you know, you don't have to change your wardrobe or anything like that. So, yeah. So I guess, um, I, I meant in my last question was I didn't realize that transitioning was more of like a, a spectrum than it was a binary choice. Like, uh, before I had, you know, started to learn more about the LGBT community and transgender people in general about, um, transitioning and what it's like. Um, I just assumed, you know, that when people transitioned, they did the whole thing all the way until they could do no more as far as, uh, sex reassignment surgery and hormones and growing their hair out. You know, I didn't realize that, um, some people, have a certain idea of where they want to be. Like maybe they just want to present as a woman, but not have the sexually or the sexual reassignment surgery. So that was a, a thing I had to learn. I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. I just assumed everybody who wanted to live their life as a woman did the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, most people don't get the bottom surgery. I'd say that's the, uh, rare end of the spectrum. Yeah. So I, I wasn't aware of that either. I thought, um, that would probably be the majority, I guess, but, uh, I guess it is a big surgery to undergo, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm not scared at all, but it's a major surgery with, uh, you only get one chance too. So you have to be really, really sure. You have to really, really, really hate your penis and really not want it there and really be dissatisfied with it in some way. Yeah. You really have to want, uh, to not have it anymore, I guess. Yeah, and I I really don't want to have it anymore. But some some girls love it, and I I think girls do look cute with a dick. <laughs> I I that's a new concept for me, so I guess I'd have to take your word for it. <laughs> so um, one of the things I also wanted to ask too was in Germany, you guys have social medicine or socialized medicine, so the government covers your insurance and your medical costs. Is that correct? Yeah, we're we're on public insurance. Right, so you don't pay anything out of pocket when you go to the doctor or anything like that. Well, we pay for insurance every month, but doctors, I never pay more. I never bring more bigger than a $10 bill with me for doctors. Oh, okay. So most of it is paid through taxes, right? Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Like, you, you pay like a copay. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also, they, they can't... Uh, not they can't turn you down for pre-existing conditions so that's why my trans stuff is covered because it's technically a pre-existing condition right well i guess uh so the other thing i was kind of um some people might consider it an elective surgery i don't necessarily agree with that i don't think that's something you can elect you know if you have gender dysphoria which i understand now is an actual medical diagnosis and so i i support it as a non-elective surgery but i have heard people say that they would consider it elective so would that matter in germany if it was considered elective does the insurance still cover elective surgeries elect you elective. mean by elective like you don't need it yeah like it's not medically necessary like uh, so if a woman who is a cisgender woman just wanted to get bigger breasts and so she goes to have surgery to get her breasts enlarged. That would be considered um, an elective surgery because she doesn't necessarily need it. She didn't have any sort of right. deformation okay. or any medical condition. Uh, 
No, wait, so you're asking what would I do if it was considered elective? No, I was asking about the insurance if they if there was an elective surgery like that. I don't I don't know if they make that distinction over there as far as surgeries or medical treatment if it's an elective surgery or or not. Well, my insurance doesn't cover facial feminization. They consider that cosmetic, and I don't. I consider that just as important as uh bottom surgery. There's some insurances in California that cover facial surgery now. But yeah, there's things they don't cover because they consider it elective. Uh, breast augmentations, one. However, if a trans girl doesn't reach an A cup after two years of hormones, they do pay for breast augmentation. Oh, okay. So they, they will cover some, uh, I guess maybe the better word was cosmetic and not elective, but they will cover some cosmetic stuff under certain conditions if you're a transgender person then. I would say you could sum up with, sum it up with everything they cover for a trans person they don't consider cosmetic. So the breast augmentation is not cosmetic if you don't have any breasts after your second puberty. That might cause you dysphoria, so that's why they cover it. Okay, but wouldn't the that also the facial reconstruction surgery also cause dysphoria then? Is there a reason why they don't they will consider the breast augmentation but not the facial reconstruction? And that's the debates going on between insurance companies and therapists and human rights activists and so on. Okay, so but they, they that is uh, something that that the LGBT community is trying to push forward with in Germany is to include that as far as the transitioning covered by insurance. Oh, as far as I know, a lot of the. Uh, what people follow is called the W path, the world. It's like the standards of care for trans individuals. And I think if that gets updated to confirm that facial surgery is not an elective, then maybe all the insurance companies will follow suit. However, I don't quite know the exact state of debate with the trans, the LGBT community in Germany. I, I really am not really into that world, so to speak. And I can't vote. I'm never I'm never going to be able to vote here, so. Okay, but that would be something you hope that they would cover in the future. You, th you think that's something that they should cover? Absolutely. I think insurance companies should cover facial surgery. Like I said, for some people, it's even more important than bottom surgery. And it, it could just save someone's life, in my opinion, because if, if they need that edge to look to be passing... They might not get murdered on the street. And no one can see what's in your pants. So you know what I mean? People see your face every day. That's pretty important. Yeah, that's a fair enough uh, point to make. I can understand that. So one of the other things I want to get to, I think we're going to start finishing up here, but um, I just got a couple more questions. And that is, yep. um, what is something about the future as far as the political climate or the current events of, LGBT um, people and their rights that worries you about the future? What is your biggest concern now that you're a transgender person uh, and you're, you're doing that full time? What is something that, what is something that concerns you about the future? Uh, probably being written out of legislation. So for instance, like if Trump rolls back some of the ACA, like if Trump makes it so insurance companies don't have to accept you, for pre-existing conditions, then you can't get hormones as easily and surgery and all that stuff you really need to be a healthy a healthy girl. 
And that's what I'm worried about for the future, I guess, is our legislation being erased. And so I then like to flip that question around and ask, uh, what is something that makes you hopeful about the future as far as you being a trans person? Uh, the fact that we're in mainstream media a lot, like compared to before, and, and we're in mainstream media as interesting characters and as res characters who are respected. And I, I do kind of think what's going to happen to us is kind of like what happened with uh, black people and gay people in, in the media. They used to be like, they used to, black, they used to have black exploitation films. It was a big deal that it was a black movie, so to speak. And then after that, it turned to black people just appearing in regular roles and then like South Park made a joke about it the token black friend like they're commenting on how black people were portrayed in media same thing happened with the gay people the gay people used to be a joke like in the 90s the joke was you're gay there's no deeper level to the joke than that that's really mean humor it's punching downwards and I think that's gonna know what's happened with trans people they're gonna normalize it to most of society through media and through telling stories and through sympathetic situations and, and just making them badasses like they did with everyone else. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. Um, I can see how you would uh, feel that way. So um, staying in that same vein, who is do you have a trans person or a homosexual person that you idolize that you kind of, maybe not idolize is probably a little bit um too harsh of a word or maybe but someone that you look up to or that you see as uh, a model for yourself uh i would say most of my i mean i really love jamie clayton she's awesome in sense eight and it's awesome that a trans you know with laverne cox too it's like they're they're trans women in mainstream media and just those accomplishments are worth looking up to them for but I would say I don't have like a, a trans, I, my trans idols are all the trans girls I've ever met, so to speak. Like it's, it's really like I, I get information and inspiration from everyone I meet and everyone I get to talk to who uh, has to go through what I go through. Yeah. So I've heard of Laverne Cox, right? She is the transgender woman actor in um, Orange is the New Black, right? Yeah. A show I do not watch. Yeah, I, I actually haven't watched it either, but um, I think I listened to NPR, uh, the public radio, and she was on there for an interview one time, and so I got to hear some of her story about that. But who is the, I don't know the other person, or at least I'm not familiar with the name. Who was that you said that you also looked up to? Uh, Jamie Clayton. Uh, I only really know her from Sense8, which is an awesome Netflix show. Sense eight. I'll have to check that out. I don't know who that is, but um, I'm definitely going to uh, look into that later. Uh, the Wachowskis made it, who are also awesome trans people. They made The Matrix. Oh, did they really? Yeah, both of them are trans. The Wachowski brothers are now the Wachowski sisters. I did not know that. That's something I have to look up to. I, I had no idea. That's uh, actually pretty good information. I'll have to share that out with more people. So I've read theories online. So so I've read theories online how the Matrix is actually like a, a coming out story. I don't know if it's true, but like someone said, taking the red pill is like confirming you're trans, and uh, Neo is that you're you're the chosen one, and once you've come out as trans, you can fly and do anything because you're finally realizing who you are. I don't know if that's true, but it, it makes sense if it was true. Yeah, I think that maybe you can kind of 
read that into it if you if you want. I think anyone, if you look deep enough, you can read anything into anything. But that seems to be consistent. I guess it could be a a possibility, especially if the creators were transgender. So um, it seems yeah. to maybe make sense. And also, sh- the show Shameless, which is really popular, has a really cute trans man on it. So there's definitely visibility coming up. Yeah, so that's definitely a good thing to look forward to as far as people who are in the LGBT community, that they're getting more exposure in the media and on movies and television. That aren't jokes. Yeah, right. Like uh, the Will and Grace, you know, like the gay guys are just a comedy relief for the whole show. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like stuff Um, that would turn me off when I was young is like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Like, oh, you want to wear women's clothing? What are you, Buffalo Bill? Yeah, that definitely perpetuates the negative stereotype that you're some sort of um, mentally deficient person who is a threat to other people. So, um, but I had to, I remember talking with my wife one time about Friends and how that was a pretty progressive show because uh, Ross, the main character, Ross, I'm, you're familiar with Friends, right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, so Ross's wife was a lesbian, and they got divorced, and she married a woman, and then they had this um, non-traditional family where Ross's ex-wife was married to a woman, and they were raising Ben, and he was still in his life. And I thought um, they weren't used as comic relief, and it was pretty progressive at that point in time. That was in the mid-'90s, and to have you know reoccurring cast members who were lesbians and who were parents uh to a a son was pretty progressive back in the 90s i thought and so i had to uh when i was talking with my wife about it when i it kind of dawned on me i'm like hey that's pretty progressive you know of that show to do that and i thought it was probably didn't get the attention it deserved yeah absolutely yeah i agree so uh one of the last questions i want to get to is um, do you have any organizations that you want to share that I, you, you want to promote on the show? I know you already mentioned Queer Lieben, um, but uh, um, maybe just that. that. Just yeah, Queer just Lieben? just Queer Lieben and Ask Transgender on Reddit. That's helped me out a lot, and I kind of have a problem where I can't stop reading it, which sucks. But that's helping me out a lot, and I guess those two places would be where I would point people who need to go somewhere to go and like Fairleben if you live in Berlin and then if you live anywhere go on RS transgender it's a wonderful community yeah for for those listeners who don't know what ask transgender is that's a subreddit on the website reddit where you can go there and ask questions about being transgender or about transgender people and you will usually get a response from someone who is transgender is that about right yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's very it's pretty active. And that's how I actually um got you as a guest on the show was I went to ask transgender and and put out a request for anyone who wanted to come on the show and share their story and I actually had several hits from just I put out um several requests in other subreddits but everyone asked transgender who are all of the guests coming up were from Ask Transgender, which I thought was um, a very good uh, gold star for that subreddit because the people on that subreddit were very open and welcoming to being on the show. And I have several interviews lined up just from that post in Ask Transgender. Awesome. I can't wait to listen to the others. Yeah. So um, thank you for being on the show. 
um, thank you for taking time uh, to speak with me. I'm, I hope that um, I was respectful. I hope that you enjoyed the interview. I hope that um, you will encourage other people to listen and follow us. Um, we're now on Facebook and on Twitter, so you can follow us on the show there. Awesome. I will uh, post in my Facebook groups as well when I have the link. And thank you for being supportive. And also, technically, I was the more offensive one because I swore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I didn't say anything, so you didn't even know. So I'm, I'm not even upset about it. So I just appreciate you coming on and giving me the opportunity to interview you and uh, ask some very personal questions. And for that, I you have my sincerest thanks and appreciation. Well, if you're still doing the show in a year, I hope you are. Maybe you could do a follow-up because, like I said, I'm a baby trans, and it might be interesting to see someone from 90 days on hormones to 365 days. Yeah, so I definitely will like to follow up with you in a year. So let's set a date for um, December of 2017, and we'll maybe revisit and have you back on the show if I'm still doing it then. Yeah, it'd be awesome. All right. Well, thank you for coming and uh, being on the show, and uh, I wish you the best. Thank you, and it was uh, awesome talking to you, and have a great night. You too. Thanks. So we're just going to wrap up here, and uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, remember, you can always support organizations that support LGBTQ people, like the Trevor Lifeline. Um, you can always email me if you have questions at uh, major at straightupgaypodcast.com. Spelled just like it sounds. You can follow us on Twitter at S-U-G podcast. And you can follow me on Facebook.com slash Straight Up Gay Podcast. Or you can just search for Straight Up Gay Podcast. Uh, and you can always go and listen to this show once I get it edited and posted at www.straightupgaypodcast.com. As well as the feed for the audio will be hosted on SoundCloud is where I'll be posting my feeds. So you can always follow me on there as well. 